welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> welcome back, everybody. Today we are driving to the Albuquerque airport. I'm in the car with Dylan and Matt. You know Dylan from Bidstitch. What's up? And you know Matt. He edits the podcast. Give these boys a round of applause. Yo. <laughs> Uh, and we just are fresh out of Durango Vintage Festivus, and we are driving back to the Albuquerque airport to fly home. So we thought we'd have some time to kill in the car, and we would record a little bit of a recap of the event. So, yeah, sit tight, here we go. What time is it, Drew, for the listeners? It's 1.52 a.m. in the morning. What time are we get to the airport? 420 actually <laughs> on the dot. Yo, we're getting the airport at 420 a.m. Smoke them if you got them. So let's kick this off. Matt, give us your um, you kind of got called in to come to this event super last minute because London ditched. But uh fuck glad he did, bud. Pound it. Oh yeah. Um, give us your expectations and your like your what you thought the event was gonna be like. Well, man, uh, I don't know. Above all, I was just excited, you know. It's kind of, you know, nervous to meet you and Dylan, and it ended up being a sick time. But, you know, honestly, after the interview with with, uh, Brit, I was kind of expecting a bit of a shit show. Bit of a fire fest situation, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, litter strewn across the ground, you know. <laughs> Trash fires, etc. But yeah, uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but I kind of had my, you know, uh, my hopes were high, but my expectations were low. Let's say that. All right, Joe. So we, we should touch on the fact that you got to Albuquerque on the way out here five hours earlier than us, and then you went on a friggin' meth tour of Breaking Bad landmarks. Yeah, a little mini tour. They hit Jesse and Jane's apartment where Jane overdoses. Uh, the dog house, little hot dog stand. They were closed, unfortunately. Um, a couple other like low key spots from the show, just once that were close to the airport, it was kind of sweet. Look tight, Dylan. What was your uh, what was your take coming into the event here? Uh, yeah, I think similar to Matt, and I think everyone else who went to the event, a lot of crazy expectations. Brit is a madman, genius in disguise. Uh, I was expecting kind of like a P.T. Barnum, like, he makes all these crazy promises and fill a bag is like one bin of clothes. Uh, the Denim Olympics is just who can hold the most jeans in their hands. Uh, the food was going to be MREs. We are going to be camping, drinking our own pee for water. <laughs> but But he pulled it off. I don't know how he did it. I really actually don't know how he did it. But somehow, he made probably one of the most fun vintage events we've ever been to. No offense to Drew and the old clothing show. We love it. 
Um, but it's different. That's like a selling event. This was like a experience. It was almost like a getaway vacation destination. Just happened to be in the middle of bumfuck New Mexico. Yeah, I was. Uh, I ha- I didn't think he'd pull off all the schedule that he had put together. And he almost didn't. It was late. But there was some late, but the schedule got got tackled. Nothing really got dropped like in, in entirety. Like he actually managed to do it all, uh, and I think like so much of that was due to his uh, due to his his showmanship and like his. Um, his fucking personality and his energy. He can like rally the people to do shit, you know, like people got behind him, even though maybe they weren't stoked on doing it, but then they got stoked on doing it. Uh, but yeah, expectations were low and, uh, it was, um, ended up being super fun. Super fun. Yeah. I think Britt had, a had a lot to prove and probably a lot to lose being somewhat of a notable figure true vintage and most of the people we talked to also didn't think that he would be able to pull it off so I think he proved himself somehow he made it work so getting into the festival we, we, we came in Thursday night kind of late so we missed the first night of the auction we heard some stuff about the first night of the auction that it was pretty unorganized I guess so maybe Thursday was like the worst of the days for that but I think the only real event that they had on the Thursday was the auction mm-hmm Things still sold, and it still went on, and there was, a, I guess, a big portion of it was pop-up auction, so people could just throw in any product. Any of the other vendors could just throw in last-minute product to get auctioned off, they were saying. Um, but we rolled in Saturday morning. We went right to Britt's barn for, like, 8 a.m. We were there, and this was before everybody else got there, and then soon enough, trucks of uh, people from Kiko Time Campground started rolling in in the bus, and we kind of got, like, first crack at, like, checking out his barn and shit. Um, which oh. seems to be the reason that he, he started this whole thing, because he had that barn was a $1.5 million project up from $750,000 quote that he said he got on it. So I think part of the reason the whole event was put on was to raise money to pay for that barn. Okay. What do you think of the barn? The barn was incredibly sketchy. In the middle of nowhere. Uh, why don't you guys tell the people how we had to get up to the second floor of the barn? Big ass ladder leaning against the side. <laughs> Literally a fifteen. What is it? Fifteen foot ladder, maybe? Just leaning up against the side of a corrugated steel barn, and we went through like a open window. <laughs> yeah, like a big hole in the wall, which is super weird. I was thinking about it later. I'm like. Dude, you're building a barn. Did, did you like forget to put the stairs in the plan? <laughs> did they just forget that part of the construction? Like, you're gonna have to put That's stairs. That's why it's expensive. That's what all yeah, the costs no are the stairs. But they did get a, a new way up there, which was uh, like an excavator, like a backhoe, and people would just get in the. I don't know what you would call it. Get in the. Yeah, it was like a giant forklift thing, yeah. and then. They were pulling up, they had a bucket, a big like wooden bucket on the end of the forklift and then you sat in, or you stood in the thing and this guy just lifted you up to the top floor, which insanely sketchy. I might prefer the latter. Lawsuit in the making on that one. 
but yeah. uh, there was no casualties. Yeah, Britt was walking around saying he was surprised that nobody got hurt, which was scary to hear at 8 a.m. on the first day of the event. People were buying. Everyone came over and took the bus, and it seemed like everybody was grabbing huge piles of shit, buying lots of stuff. I bought a few things. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was cool. And then we headed to headed over to the actual event, rolled into Tico time, which... First impressions, it's like, it's like, it's a very cool resort because there's lots of shit to do, but it's kind of a little ghetto, like very spread out. It seems kind of like trailer parky vibes. Oh, it's, a, it's an RV park. So I like literally, I mean, that's not literally trailer park, but it's literally an RV kind of campground site, but it's definitely very hippie. There are people selling crystals and tie dyes and bracelets all over the place. Yeah, this place is crazy. They have, they got the river runs right through the middle of it. They got three ponds uh, with like unlimited uh, paddle boards and rafts and shit to play on the ponds. One of the ponds has a freaking water slide into a launch ramp. Super sick. Um, Matt sent it under his back multiple times. I don't want to talk about that. Drew on the side of his head. <laughs> yeah, me on the side of my head. I actually landed like face first. And, Got water like shot through my eyeball. I thought I was gonna go blind. They, yeah, and then they have a friggin' zip line across the river and like through the forest. There was uh, a climbing wall with like this jump down bungee thing. There's like is, 40, like what do you say, like 40, 50 feet? Yeah, it was pretty high, dude. And that was like attached to the zip line. There was a, there's apparently a disc golf course there. A massive stage where they can they have concerts. Um, just like a pretty massive place altogether. Pavilion where they ended up holding the auction later on, and, and then I guess Brit had rented these uh, big event tents, like big wedding tents, and that's where the the bulk of the the vintage selling is going on. The vendors were set up. How many vendors would you say were set up before we first arrived? What do you think, Matt? Oh, 10, 15? Yeah. More people were selling out of their car, but, like, actual setup vendors is probably only, like, 10 or 15. So, yeah, like, the vibe when we got there, like, we walked to the campground, checked out the lay of the land. It's kind of, like, spread out, hard to figure out. But then when we finally got over to the, the zone where the vintage was happening, the event was happening, like, people are kind of just mauling around... Uh, sort of like a waking up hungover vibe, like we fucking drank a shitload of beer by the bonfire last night vibe, but super good spirits, everyone's kind of seemed stoked to be there. Um, we had a dude with a full ass espresso machine set up, which was pretty cool. Yeah, shout out, shout out Justin, drove all the way from New York to supply the Festivus with free coffee. It wasn't free, though. It was only free tomorrow that we missed. <laughs> I paid for my coffee every time. All right, well, shout out Justin for <laughs> yeah. driving all... He drove 30 out. No, more than 30 hours. Shout out Justin. He's he left on Monday guy. to get there on Thursday. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, before we even talk about the bulk sale, how much do you think Britt made just from that first hour and a half at his warehouse? I'm guessing like 40K. Didn't you say you heard someone mad? do like a 15k deal I think so 
there was definitely a guy that dropped like eight or ten. Sheesh. One go. Yeah. That so. place was like a fucking Willy Wonka's vintage factory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Brit's place was like chalk to the to well, it wasn't even that overloaded. It looked like he was just putting stuff in there, but the base, the, the main floor had like tons of bins of gear, just a lot of stuff hung up, and a lot of stuff just sitting around in bins, a lot of open boxes of shit that looked like he hadn't checked them in a long time. The upstairs was just like an empty floor, kind of, and everyone was like throwing shit all over the place, and it seemed like some of the better shit was upstairs. Um, I got a Mackinac, like, canvas 40s jacket and a HBT, like, officer's coat. Uh, but it's overwhelming. For me, it's overwhelming. There's just too much cool shit to even pick what you want to fucking ask about. Because everything's cool. And know? it's going to be premium priced. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Brett's fair, but I... Yeah, but you don't want to spend... Time. You don't want to blow, like, a K before the event even starts. Like, what the other vendors might have. Before the, the Philobag sale, which... Drew can explain how crazy that was. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, okay, so we, we're at the event now. We're, like, checking out the booths, kind of, like, saying hi to everybody, like, seeing who actually showed up and shit. It seemed to me like the crowd was, like, a good a good cross-section of, like, some of the heavy hitters that have that are the OGs that are, like, even the generation above me, like Larry, Heller, Snappy Gabs was there, Junkyard Jeans, Eric was there, um, Idaho Jeans is there. He's probably more like my age, but... Um, Arn Owl was there from Seattle. Uh, Aaron Lacey was there from Portland. There was some terrible guy from Canada there. Did you meet him? Me? Who? <laughs> His name was Drew. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. Um, but then there was mad kids. But the kids were all like this new generation of true vintage heads, it seemed like. Like a lot of people that I didn't know. Uh, Marissa Del Santo was there from Denver with her crew. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, Golden State was there with his crew from California. I got polos there. And if I'm not shouting you out, it's because I don't fucking know you personally. I don't know your handle, but obviously tons of other people were there. Um, but like a very mixed cross section, like a bunch of new generations and then a bunch of the OGs. But there was no like. This event had like zero like average person customer. Like no like I'm just here to buy I would say something it was to wear. Mostly vendors buying off each other. It was like it's a collector's show. Yeah, exactly. It's a collector's, it's a dealer's show. Uh, okay, so anyway, moving on to this 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 pile sale thing. So Brent's like, you know, he's toting this thousand pound or multi thousand pound pile of clothes that he's gonna have. There was another tent set up just for just for it, and in the middle, like literally smack dab in the middle of this tent, is this massive pile. And I was saying it's like four to five thousand pounds, maybe, was in that pile. They said ten thousand pounds. I don't really know, but it was a fucking big pile. It was probably like ten feet tall, like yeah, fifteen feet, feet tall, maybe fifteen feet long, and. Uh, they were still filling it up when we got there, but eventually, I think at like one o'clock, the thing went on, right? And they let everybody into the tent, and there was like a caution tape around this area with the 
pile in it, and he had an 1800 scale to weigh everything out, even though the first people that got to go didn't have to weigh shit. So basically, though, this is the rules kept changing like every two seconds about how they were going to auction the shit off. Who can explain how, how we ended up auctioning them off? Uh, so they did it. I mean, I've never seen I Love Lucy. I don't know if you drew. Yeah, but I don't even know what that means. He called so it an I Love Lucy, I Love Lucy auction. auction sale, but people were bidding. And whatever the highest bidder, the prize for being the highest bidder was that you got 10 minutes untapped in the pile. So you get 10 minutes to pull as much shit as you can into your own corner. Britt made it like certain you had to pick a corner and you had to put stuff into your corner for it to count. Um, and they didn't have to pay by the pound. So whatever your high bid was, that's how much you paid. You get 10 minutes to just grab as much stuff as you want. And then the high bid ended up going 4550 So they spent $4,500 to get 10 minutes of unlimited picking, basically. But then he opened it up and he said, somebody can match this 4500 and also... But they get to go second. So you can match the 4500 but the guy who originally did the first 4500 got like a one or two minute head start. Because yeah. he took the risk. And so essentially both guys got the 10 minutes... And they, uh, Which was, I think Britt made a mistake. It was so fucking long. You don't like realize how long 10 minutes is. Yeah, 10 minutes is a long-ass time. And these guys weren't even... like The guys who were in there picking didn't even understand how long it was. Because they got they got super gassed. Like hauling huge handfuls, probably like 50 pounds at a time or 30 pounds of clothes at a time out of this pile and moving them to your own pile for 10 minutes straight is like freaking marathon. Um... The whole thing was crazy because he kept changing the rules. Like during the auction, like the rules changed like five times. Like literally from like when the bidding started to when it actually happened, the rules kept changing. So everyone was kind of like confused on what was going on. But it didn't really matter because the people who were bidding, there's only a few people really bidding, and they all they all fucking won anyway and got the opportunity to go in. So so these two parties go in, they pull fucking massive piles aside. Both of them were like hella gas, and they were teams, so they got to switch out with their partners. Eh? Yeah, it was like tag team wrestling. When you got tired, you got to slap hands and have your other guy come in and start pulling for you. And this event, like, literally everybody from the whole Festivus was in that tent. Like, people left their booths. Like, you could have gone out and stolen anything from any of the booths during that time because, like, they were fully just vacant. Yeah. Like, the whole crew was in that fucking tent. It was hot. It's hot as shit. It was like the sun dusty. was heating up and the fucking everyone else was heating up. The air was heavy with fucking nasty dust. Farts. Yeah, me and me and Matt were inside the caution tape because we were filming, so we were literally just huffing dust and mold and everything. Yeah. But it was worth so, it for the show. Our, our boogers were black after that <laughs> the whole day. Black mold consequence. Yeah, both parties fucking probably pulled over a thousand pounds each. They both both those parties got like over a thousand pounds each. Like the pile like looked like it was half gone after those two first goes, right? I think the first the first two guys got like two to three k pounds each. Yeah, they got a shitload of stuff. Yeah, so they were like actually like pretty happy from the sounds of it. I never talked to them like later later after that, but they seemed stoked. Like there was no way they weren't going to make their money because when you calculate that out, if it's even at a thousand pounds, that's only four fifty per pound, which is 
cheaper than most people are buying rag nowadays. Yeah. And you you should tell them why. Um, because usually it was a lot of scraps, but Brit snuck in a few thousand dollar items in there. Yeah, so what we know is he pulled like, there was one JC Petty buckleback that got put into the pile. There was a Metallica ALP, you know, the one everybody wants all the time. Uh, there was, and then like he had a, maybe like 10 other killer there were, items. From yeah, his, there were multiple bucklebacks. From his barn. Oh yeah, there was two bucklebacks, but one was like a linen kind of shit pair. There was one really good denim one. Mm. And then, I don't know, a handful of other probably killer like few hundred dollar pieces. And they hid, they stashed throughout the pile. Um, so everyone was kind of like, you were kind of just going for that. Like, I think everybody who bid was hoping they would just get those one pair of bucklebacks that would pay for the whole thing. So then after those two groups went, they opened it up for a second auction bid. And, and uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Al- Alex from Monday Market Vintage. Yeah, he bid 2900 and then he got to go in, but it three was only, only for three minutes. But he also, well, he didn't pull as much as the other guys, but he did pretty damn good. I think minutes. he almost matched them in three in three minutes. He was a tank. Yeah. He went ham. And he got the best, I mean, I don't want to compare, but I think he might have got the best stuff, too, in the least amount of time. So, so because nobody knew where the bucklebacks were, uh, he says his name's Alex. Monday yeah. market, yeah, I, he got he got the bucklebacks, and he only had to pay the twenty nine hundred, so he was fucking fired up. And he also got World War Two denim, a bunch of like another like salt and pepper pants, like he got a, like three high tier items. And um, he sold the pants like same day, right? He said he sold three items for thirty five hundred. So without without touching the thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah, and then he uh, he also said he sold like another two thousand out of his pile or something. Yeah. So he made bank without even leaving the event. Yeah, shout out to him. He hooked me up with a with a few things out of his pile. Some shitters, but good deal. Yeah. He was just like throw through the pile on the ground later on and then let, let everybody pick it 5, 10, 20 buck items. He made a new wholesale file. So back to the pile. And after that, after he got to go in it, Britt said, it's open to then anybody. free for all. 10 bucks a pound. No, no, no. It was like, I think it was like 35 or something. No, it was 10. It, on no, the, on he, the first day? Yeah. He, no, he said, he came up and made an announcement. He's like, I was going to do 25 or 35 a pound, uh, but fuck it. 10 bucks a pound. All right. Then everybody rushes the fucking they, the like, tape line. Literally two minutes, it was gone. Yeah, the entire 10,000, 15,000 pounds, everything was gone. Of course, people did throwbacks, but people grabbed literally every last piece of clothes. Yeah. Yeah, everyone just grabbed an armful and was just you know sorting through it. It's the bin specialty. You just grab and then sort. I personally don't like that, but I guess there's no other way to do it. And then that was it. And it was like, fuck, I left the tent at that point because I'm like, yo, it's over. They fucking just, they just <laughs> demoed this pile. Britt had the 1800 scale, so I'm like, Britt's going to be busy for like four hours trying to weigh people out with this scale where you got to move the little weight back and forth on the rod. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but that, you know, obviously most of you people out there listening has probably seen the footage. A bunch of people posted it. We posted it. Go check 
my social or Vincent's social for the video on that um, because it was mayhem. So next up was the was the Olympics, and this is the part of the thing that I thought he would scrap. I was like, "There's no way he's going to come through and actually do this event." Like, I just thought that was too. There's no money to be made from it. There's not like I don't know. I just thought it was too out there. But uh, he got it together, and he got like a group of like probably fifteen or twenty people that wanted to do the Olympics and. Um, put together one, two, three, like six events for it, and uh, put up put up some prizes, which nobody knew what the fuck they were going to be until after. Nobody really knew what was happening for the Olympics either. It was kind of like um, we're going to do this event, and then maybe you'll get five hundred points, maybe you'll get three hundred points. I don't really know. Then we're going to do that event, and like you'll get extra points for style, but we don't really know what's going to happen yet. Like it just like was very on the fly the whole thing. But it didn't really matter because all we were doing was having fun anyway. So what were some of the events? I didn't do the Olympics, but Drew competed. So what were some of the events I you made? I competed only two events, but the first event was <laughs> the first event was sick because it was the room. Matt saw it. Talk, tell, talk him through, Matt. Oh, the tubing? Yeah. Yeah, so pretty much Rick got everyone up. He drove them up, you know, a little bit up the the cliff that was overlooking the whole place on a, what would, what would you even call that thing? Oh, like a gator. Yeah, a like TV a, a gator with a, you know, a, a big, uh, you know, bed in the back. Me and Drew sitting on the back, he's flooring it up this fucking hill, it almost fell out. <laughs> we get up there and he's like, all right, everyone's going to jump off this waterfall. And I ended up just being a rock with like a ten foot drop into a bunch of a bunch of mud. Technically a waterfall. It's probably a waterfall, but it's pissing rain. But it was pretty dry. So uh, uh, everyone lines up on the edge. They got their tubes. Pretty much, they have to jump in, wade down river like I don't know, two hundred feet, and then it turned into an actual current. They floated down. <laughs> Britt was the first guy to jump in. He immediately lost his fucking Oakleys. <laughs> that he borrowed from someone else. That he borrowed. <laughs> and then it was just a free-for-all, you know, everyone scrambling. And that, that event was kind of misleading, or at least for me way. as the viewer. Because I you see the river, and you think it's like a real river. I didn't know it was only like six inches deep. Yeah, a lot of it's pretty shallow. Yeah, so... Like, I saw some guy standing on his ankles, and I was like, oh, like, the, the immersion is gone. Like, it's not as, like, death-defying, like, an Olympics event like I thought it would be. But yeah, I, that could be worse, because you could be too shallow, and then you get stuck. You got to, like, you got to use the currents. You got to find the deeper parts of the river when you're floating down. There's yeah, I, I saw one guy just walking faster than everyone else was actually going. Yeah, and then we had to run back, because Britt, I guess, was still looking for his sunglasses. So, <laughs> I got a good workout that day because <laughs> we were trying to get back before the rafters so we could get the footage and we thought Britt would drive us back but he's still fucking swishing around in the mud oh man so fucking funny and everyone was misleading because like it, there was water and kind of covering like this quick sandy mud and everyone didn't realize like they were jumping straight in the mud 
was funny shit. Yeah, the first girl, there was like a girl that tried to like get a little head start, and she she was like up to her knees in mud. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, then I, there was a bridge downriver in the Tico time, and the first person to cross the the line of the bridge won. So that was the first event. Second event was the slip and slide uh, fucking jump. Like, launch ramp thing. You got Everyone's seen these now on, like, social media and shit because they're, like, they're, they're at tons of water parks, but this Tico Time place had, like, a kind of a homemade jobber-looking one. Um, but obviously, I was fucking stoked on this because who doesn't want to go on a fucking slip and slide kicker ramp? So... I got in on this one, and basically this one was, like, just judged, because you're like, it's not a race. You just, like, whoever does the sickest jump off into the water, sickest dive or something. Yeah, and it was like, Britt was like, we're all going to score each other. And then I think he ended up just scoring everyone. <laughs> yeah, totally. He was like, like, Drew went, and he did, like, some crazy one where Drew hit the side of his head, like a flip. And he was like, oh, that's the best one I've seen. And then the next one did something similar and he's like that's the best one that's that's a 10 out of 10 yeah, i think drew got a 10 out of 10 and the next guy got a 10.5 <laughs> we got what robbed got drew got robbed and man the way that one ended up was like there was a first there was a second there was like five guys tied for third but we all got points so i was cool and basically we got to mention at this point bucky which uh is eric's son came with him fucking machine i think he, did he win or second in the raft or something? He didn't win the raft, right? He was the yeah, top top three, I believe. He was top three in the tubing, and then he won maybe the... He did like a full like f- fucking front flip and a half to dive almost for his jump, eh? Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, so he's already coming out in the lead after the first two events. Bucky was slaying it. And then we all had to go get harnessed up, and we were going to do, like, a speed climb on this 50-foot climbing wall thing. Again, Britt's like, I'm the fucking, I'm the boss hog here, so you guys got, I'm going to run up this thing and show you show you how it's done. And he actually fucking slayed it. Like, Britt went up at, like, what, 27 seconds or something? Yeah, 26. 26. And you only got points if you beat his time. Yeah. I beat his time, though, didn't I? No, you're one second behind. Ah, I think Bucky was the only one. But he still did a first, second, third, didn't he on that one or no? I think there was maybe only one or two people that actually uh, beat it. Bucky, like, kind of smashed him. Yeah, Bucky got 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you got to jump off this, like, you got to jump off the top of the climbing wall on this, like, hydraulic catch thing that he was like calling a, a bungee jump, but it was not definitely, yeah, it was a rappel. Exactly. So you free fall like five feet, then you just slowly descend. Uh, but still, that shit's scary as hell, jumping off a 50-foot ledge. I'm telling you, I was like, looking at it from the bottom, I'm like, that's <laughs> nothing. That's, p- that's pussy shit. And then I'm up there, and I like super hesitated. Which you posted, and I'll <laughs> like an idiot. It'll live on forever. And then I, I think that was it for me. I'm like, I'm good on these events. Did and you do the tug of war? No, I didn't do it. I wasn't there, but Matt, were you there? I was there. How was the, uh, tell them about what was special about the tug of war. Well, Drew wasn't there. That made it special. Going on a beer run for me and Dylan. <laughs> like a trooper. It was, uh, 
you know, it was like a big, thick rope that just had jeans tied around it. Uh, they picked teams. Um, and then I think, I don't know, it was over in a matter of like 10 seconds because Eric, he's a big dude. His team just fucking... I just tanked. Yeah. Was he at the end, the last guy? I think so. It makes sense. Yeah, he's the anchor. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I, they're, they're probably lucky I wasn't there because I've watched Squid Game and I know the real uh, yeah, I, was gonna, <laughs> I, was I know the say, strategy. I know the strategy. Uh, so, good thing I wasn't there. But there was only enough for like one match, right? Because it was like five on five or something? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, everyone was having fun. It was fucking fun because you're just like, you know, that's what you're there. It's like that, that whole sequence of events, like, got us away from like just selling and buying vintage to like having fun swimming fucking around for like a few hours which I thought was awesome yeah um so who took Bucky took it Bucky won it and then two brothers got like second and third mm-hmm. do you remember their names uh I think it's Hagen it could be wrong and Decatur you don't remember their IG's I never knew their IG. Yeah, I don't even think Bucky has an IG because he's his dad's Junkyard Jeans. So check out Junkyard Jeans anyway. They're, they're OGs. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, by the end of that event, Brent was like, shit, we got to hurry up. We got to hurry up. Like the auctions are going to start, right? Yeah, we were behind like maybe an hour and a half or so. So then basically after that, everybody like headed to the pavilion on the other side of the river. Super nice pavilion, actually, like open air pavilion thing um, where the auctions started. It's funny, too, in, the, in that during the day, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm like, OK, so we went to Brett's barn. We had the pile sale. We had the Olympics. I'm like, there's like so much attention away from the booths. You know what I mean? Like. Your, your attention's getting diverted in all these directions. So, like, nobody, to, in my mind, I was like, nobody's actually, like, sh- chilling at the booths or shopping around. I, I think a lot of the deals were made, though, like, at the crack of dawn or even in the dark of night. I saw some Instagram stories of people digging through stuff just with headlamps and flashlights. Like, I think most of, like, the premium, premium stuff was gone before we even got there. Not that we would have bought it, but I think a lot of that trading, buying, and selling was, like, under the table. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the key. Most of those vendors made all their money off, like, their top five pieces each. Yeah. Right? They, were, they didn't need to sell a lot of shit. You came with, like, your craziest stuff. You sold it, and, that, and you're good, you know? And that was it. So it didn't matter that there wasn't a lot of buyers, per se, but people still sold you. And there was no Japanese. Like, there was, like, maybe, what, like, five? Five real Japanese buyers there, which kind of yeah. shocked me because I was like, I don't know. I just had an assumption that they're the top dogs, at least throughout throughout history of the vintage game. And you would think if they knew about it, more more of them would have came, but maybe they just didn't know. Yeah. Or they weren't willing to. I don't believe that. Some of them knew about it. They just didn't come. Yeah, they didn't want to camp out in New Mexico. Yeah, exactly. So. I can't, man. It's all blurred now, Matt. How did the how did the auction go to go the first night? Do you remember? <laughs> Shit, 
we were getting pretty drunk by this point. Like, we were drinking all day Saturday. I was pretty cut during the auction. I was sober. Sober-minded. Responsible. Yeah, basically, Dylan's, like, the manager of us for this trip. <laughs> Dylan's been really on the ball. Like, okay, guys, we've got to be here at this time. Okay, Drew, like, this is where our hotel is. Turn here. Drew, turn left there. Uh, like, just really on the ball, dude. Man with the plan. Yes, sir. I don't, I don't really remember. I remember being on the verge of falling asleep during the auction. So. <laughs> Not that it was boring. More so because of the alcohol they were consuming. Yeah, plus Matt flew out super fucking... Oh, like, yeah. We've he, been running on like... No sleep that last, the night before, and he also had a time sleep. change, right? Yeah. Two hours. I think the auction went well then. I mean, obviously, the last day of the auction, which we'll talk about later, was, like, the best because of, like, the craziest shit. But, yeah, that auction was good. There was some dope shit in it. Um, I think only a couple of pieces, like, didn't sell for reserve. So everything pretty much sold. Uh, I think the highlight was maybe that, like, Levi's banner, an original Levi's banner, like, store promo. It was, like, 30, a little bit over 3,000. Yeah, there was nothing in like the five to ten thousand range. The, the second yeah. night, it was just like a lot of like. I mean, Britt did it on purpose. It went from like the least expensive to the yeah the most course. expensive. Um, but good vibes. The, the whole thing was full. Lots of people there. Everyone's fucking having a good time, drinking their uh, drinking their bevies and getting loose. Um, auctions and it was smooth. So, what's the auctioneer's name again? We got to talk Hadley. about this guy. Hadley was a G, man. So Hadley did the auctions, and like we, we, I first met this guy at the pile, right? Because he was he helped he helped Brent load all the clothes into the ten thousand pound pile. He was basically like the number two man in charge at the event, I would say. Yeah, uh, and I just thought he was like Brent's homie, like buddy guy or whatever. But turns out he's also a super digger, and. Uh, You'll learn more about him in the video we're going to put out soon. But he work. He's a ranch. He runs a ranch. He he's manages a, a ranch. <laughs> he didn't he say it was a hundred thousand acre ranch. He did say that. Yeah. And he's and he got into vintage from going through the houses on the hundred thousand acre ranch and finding old shit. And he had some of his own crazy, crazy stuff, like insane buckle bags, insane barn finds, wabash coveralls, and like. All kinds of shit this guy had. Um, and then so, yeah, so he helped with the pile. He had a booth. He And he also ran the auctions. And he was fucking killing it on the auctions. As the auctioneer. And that was only like his third ever, or first ever auction, I'm pretty sure he said. Yeah. Britt busted out his book. His, uh, everybody, I think if you like paid for the event, you got the catalog, right? I think the VIPs got the catalog. You could have bought it on Instagram as well if you like didn't go to the event. Yeah. But then Britt also made like a one Fox. of just Fox just ran by the car. Uh, one of one hundred book of like all the stuff that he and maybe his friends I think have found in mines, like the real creme de la creme stuff. Yeah, he made a collector's book of like his top fifteen pieces, right? But yeah. the cool thing about that book was that each piece came with the story of how he found it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were a hundred bucks. So he like, he like released those that night. He was signing them, you know, getting the full treatment. I mean, if you, if you would have like 
had a good coffee table, I think it was worth it. To have the Festivus catalog and that one back-to-back if you're, like, a true vintage guy. Yeah. Funny man you talked about, like, I haven't talked much about Brent in reality here. Like, throughout this whole day, Brent's, like, the most high-energy guy. He's, like, rallying the troops. Before the pile sale, he fucking pulls up the gator in the middle of the event, gets on top of the roof of the gator, and starts, like, giving the whole fucking event, like, a show. He had, like, everybody in the whole event, like, circled around. I'm talking about how the auction's going to run. Fucking hyping everybody up. Uh, you know, I don't even remember what the hell he was saying in that speech, but he had everyone's attention pretty damn good. And this guy's, like, a real showman. Like, Brit, the energy that he had from start of the event to finish of the event, like, never wavered. It was the same. It was the same. You're like, are you not tired yet, bro? So, he, yeah, he's fucking did this whole auction. Like, at, at points, you're like, Brent, start the event now. Like, stop, like, talking because you're, like, you're going so much. He's, like, telling stories. He's hyping. He was really good at, like, acknowledging the other people in the event, like, all his help, which was super nice, his wife. Um, uh, the crew. Yeah, the kids. Kids. And he, like, lots of people. And, like, then when we got into the tent for the pile sale, he's, like, going off, hyping people up. I think he cried at that one, too. He cried at that point, didn't he? Didn't there he were a couple of times where I think Britt was so high energy that it just, like, you know, like, it, it just came out in, in, like, an emotional response. Yeah, totally. Like, I don't even, like, you can't even control it. It's just, like, unfiltered emotion. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Unfiltered emotion is Britt, for sure. Yeah, not to mention he was, like, pretty much screaming the entire time. I don't know how he didn't lose his voice. I thought that, too. I was like, I wonder if the second day he's going to have no voice. And, yeah, he was, like, telling stories, and I think he was overwhelmed with emotion of, like, the support that he got from the people that came. You know, yeah. like, that alone is enough to make you, like, holy shit, these people came for me. You know, it's my event. Um. And then through the whole Olympics, he's like, he's running the whole show. He's got the scoreboard. He's like announcing everything, like um, telling the rules of the events. Like it was like nonstop. And then at the auction again that night, he's like, he's like getting up on the mic, like uh, freaking. Uh, he was like chanting with the people. What was the uh, Drew's a big fan oh, of it? Shit! What was that? We just killed a porcupine. Uh, Plus 500. We literally just ran over a porcupine. Sorry, porcupine. R.I.P. R.I.P., man. I think it might have been already gone, though. You think? I think that thing was slow. It was was stationary, I think. I think Drew tried to hit it. (laughs) He did did swerve into the other lane. Menacingly. Well, dude, I'm not going to swerve and kill us. No, Drew was in the right lane. The porcupine was in the left lane. Drew swerved. No, he did dickhead. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for that little porcupine, man. There's a lot of wildlife out tonight. Yeah. So, what was the slogan of the event, Drew? You might have to do it it's in the voice. Festivus! Matt? Uh, it's Festivus! When I, say, when I say it's Festivus, you say for the rest of us. It's Festivus! For the rest rest of us. (laughs) I think we heard it maybe 500 times. We heard that 500 times. What was the other one? It was like, online incels spit their venom. 
all I uh, say that, is that has a more, that Oh, is yeah. A more, that is a deeper-seated history. That was fucking awesome, too. So that was another sick line that he was also freestyling just just an hour or two ago. Um, but it was, online haters spit their venom. All we say is carpe denim, right? Yes. <laughs> I think it's. I think it was online incels. Well, it, I feel like uh, it was at one point, and then he changed it. He was freestyling pretty well, surprisingly. He, there's not a thing this man can't do. Man, so crazy. Fucking <laughs> brit. Ah. Uh, the ox, yeah, so... Where, where, where are we That, that was the first day, the first day for us. Yeah, that was the first day recap, and then basically the auction ends. We're like, everyone's, you know, everyone's drinking. They had a band playing, or like a solo musician playing on the big main stage. It was actually like a huge main stage with like a mega... You could have like a... Thousand Couple person thousand, concert yeah. there, right? Like it was a fucking big area. Fish concert. But there was probably like 20, 30 people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 20, 30 people watching all spread out. So the vibe was a bit off. For Half of them were asleep, too. Yeah, like crash. Sleeping in the hammocks and shit. But, I, but you know, everybody else was probably just out chilling on campfires and getting wasted and shit. So it didn't matter where you were. I guess everyone was having their own good time. Yeah, I think not like it was a bad thing for the event, but I think a lot of people weren't willing to match like Brit's energy for like the event schedule. Like they were just maybe there to sell and that's it, which I guess is what you do at a normal event. Because most people, like Drew said, just went back and drank and hung out with each other and didn't do any of like a lot of the main stage events. Yeah, like even for the Olympics, like. If you weren't participating or like friends with the participants, you weren't really watching. There wasn't a lot of people watching. Maybe the jump they were watching more, but a bunch of the events was just the competitors, which is, I mean, fine. And, and kudos to us for fucking doing it. Well, I did it. You guys just watched. Yeah, I was there. Hey, I filmed it, dude. <laughs> yeah, you filmed it. You're killing it. But yeah, it's hard, hard to get people, everyone on the same page. And I think because everyone was kind of drinking, smoking... I think the energy was a little yeah that's kind of like you know like if this event does ever get bigger i mean it, to me it's kind of cool too because you're like you're like everybody gets to have their own experience too like you could do some of the schedule things you could not do some of the schedule things yeah. like whatever like you don't have to do it all you get to go fucking like, like i know sam um known bad boy like took a fucking hike on the thursday up a mountain which is like fuck yeah go enjoy i i took mad breaks to go fly fishing Cause I'm like, I need to get away from all you dickheads. <laughs> and then that was basically it for the day, right? We fucking wrapped her up, got uh, some, got some Wendy's, <laughs> yeah. late night Wendy's, and uh, went to bed. And but yeah, I also got to say, there's two food options on on site, right? There was like the Indonesian. Yeah, it's like Indonesian food truck, Filipino fusion food truck, which was bomb. But very good. She was a solo operator, dude. So like, you ordered your food, and it was like thirty minute wait. Yeah. And then they had like a burger shack that was run by Tico Time, which I didn't have the burger, but the fries were actually fucking good, eh? Yeah, I had like the fresh cut. Man yeah. Cut. Yeah, proper. I had the burger, hot dog, fries. It was good. And like. Fucking twelve-year-old kids running the grill, the deep fry. Which you think might make the food worse, but somehow they knew how to cook a good burger and fries. 
I still think some child labor laws were being broken there, <laughs> potentially. Maybe it's loose in New Mexico. Must be. Yeah, going back to the energy thing with Britt, like, a couple times throughout the weekend, he'd be like, if you don't attend this event, if, if you guys don't come to the band tonight, you're never allowed back at Festivus. He was, like, really trying hard to get people to Which is understandable. Like, event. he paid for these guys to come out here, and it's, like, maybe a little insulting if, like, ten people show up, but... Yeah, I wonder if, if he, if he just <laughs> the assumption that people had enough as much energy as him. But he's still ready to fucking go and dance all night. Everybody else is, like, passed out. He's probably dead. still doing it right now at 2.40 in the morning. Wouldn't be surprised. He just made, like, freaking... I don't even know how much. Well, we'll touch on that maybe at the end. <laughs> so, so what do we do the second day? Let's kick it off day two. Thank you. Bless. Thanks, just the time. Uh, so we got up a little bit later. We went for breakfast. Some as we were staying in Aztec, New Mexico. Most people are school. Half people probably stay in there or Durango, or if you weren't staying at the Tico time, it was only like twenty-five minutes from the yeah. from the event. But we went out for like a proper breakfast. Some some Aztec restaurant that it I was called Aztec way, restaurant. Yeah, I thought it would be way better than it was. <laughs> got super mean mugged by this old lady. We. I did. Discovered a new uh, slang term for food. Yeah, what was it called? Making it Christmas. Yeah, making Get your breakfast Christmas. But they had it on their on their dinners, too. It was like red and green chili sauce. Obviously, I made it Christmas. Duh. So we pull up the Festivus a little late. Not really late, but technically started at 7 a.m. for VIPs. You could go in and shop. We got there at like 10, 9.30, 10. And, uh, yeah, this time there was way more vendors. So, like, right away, like, I didn't even realize until we got in there. But the the one tent was full of vendors the same as yesterday or the day before. And then the second tent that was the pile sale on the second day was fully full with new vendors or people that just hadn't set up yet. Yeah. So you probably had like more than double the amount of vendors, more people popped up outside and, um, yeah, like just tons of good shit all over the place. And the pile was still there in the middle. It was smaller. Yeah. Just the super dregs of the dregs. Yeah. But the second day was like all, it was like, there weren't any like events like the first day. It was like all selling, all buying and selling. That's it. Yeah, so we shopped, spent some time fucking growing down, saw some more people that we hadn't seen yet. Um, you know, I bought a couple things. I bought a sweatshirt, I bought a couple poly print, like picture print um, shirts, one with like ice climbers and one of like Surfer Magazine. Uh, Dylan, what'd you get? Uh, I got some. U.S. military or Marine Corps uh, HBT pants, nice painted and distressed. Yeah, those are sick. I think Matt already mentioned. We can say it again. So highlights for me, yeah, Matt. What did you get? Uh, just grabbed some stuff from the leftovers from Monday Markets pile. So I just got some '70s Levi's boot cuts, all distressed for the personals, and then. 
some uh, dead stock Wrangler uh, bell bottoms, and like three t-shirts. Tell them about your hat. Oh, I got a hat. Uh, I forget what, what does it say. God made. God made a few perfect heads. The rest he gave hair. Two. Shout out to the bald guys out there. Yeah, I'm balding. <laughs> Prepare for the future. We need to make a club like, like uh, the the bald vintage heads or something like that. Can't think of a good name, but it's a, no, it's, a it's a working title. <laughs> um, it's so funny thinking about day two, which was actually for us today because we haven't slept yet. Um, but feels like forever ago. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah so, it was a little bit slower because it was. I think the vending the vending booths was nine to four. Yeah, so we didn't have to like run it around, which was nice. We could kind of just be more mellow. We, you know, obviously we're there to like shoot some footage and stuff and just have fun. So we did a lot of interviews today with people, which was cool. I chatted to everybody we wanted to about like their experiences and different stuff, which you obviously got to watch the vlog when that comes out. Um, but highlights of the, I'm going to go through my highlights of the booth. So uh -huh. friggin' uh, Idaho jeans is the guy's name, right? Yeah. He had a full table of bucklebacks, like jerky. We're talking like. Uh, there must have been like three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eight, like like twenty-five pairs of bucklebacks on his table, all good. Not like we're not talking like one-legged fuckers. We're talking like real wearable bucklebacks. He had uh, a Babe Ruth freaking short change button short coat. There he was asking five k on that one. Yeah, that was from the concession stand at Yankee Stadium in like the twenties. Yeah. Um, he had some other crazy shit in like a case. I had this crazy shit. There was the there was that uh, Two Face like Freedom Pocket Overlock Hood sweatshirt that the dude was asking ten grand champion tag. It was like the big fat champion runner tag. He was asking ten grand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You weren't there. we talking about? No, but I I messaged him on Instagram when he first posted it, just because I was like, dude, I need to know like what it is, just because I'm curious. And he said he got offers around like two k. And I thought that was like pretty high. He said, he said today his best was 3K, but he's asking 10. Damn. I mean, shoot high, obviously. You'd probably never get it, but. Yeah. What, what were your guys' highlights of the booth today? Man. All the shit I could never dream of spending that much money on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just pretty much everything. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like, when you go to an event like this, it's just overwhelming. There's too much good stuff. Um, so, like, to be honest, for money, you're almost better off to go to, like, a regular event with all that shit because you'll be the only one everyone's buying shit from. But it's just so overwhelming. Like, I saw one guy, a couple of things that I saw that was cool. There was one guy that had the original first deep pile Patagonia fleece. But, yeah, I don't know. We just, like, it was, like we said, more mellow of a day just cruising around got to like sit for periods of time and like talk to people instead of like having to run to an event or something you know mm -hmm. uh, we did some uh good interviews like we learned a lot about uh bando picking yeah so that's an interesting topic we could touch on so after being at this event and talking to a lot of people, I said earlier in the episode that 
there's like a uh, age divide. Like I'm in the middle, right? But I'm like considered old head now. But like to me, like there was the old old my old heads were there, which I mentioned, like the Larrys, Eric, Snappy, right? They were way in the business before me. Then there's my generation, then there's like the young generation, like your guys' age. It seems to me like a lot of the the young generation is picking in the bandos. Like probably everybody I fucking spoke to. Which is crazy. So there's so much true vintage coming out of bandos right now across America, which is like kind of flooding the market. That's why we're probably seeing more shit coming to market for like true vintage. Which I don't know if it's at a level where it's like affecting the market, but I, I don't think it's a good thing. But then we also heard today like there's so much mixed philosophies on this because the guy Hayden, who um, who was the auctioneer, he was, he he works on that ranch and he gets to go in the houses on his ranch, but those are owned by the owner of the ranch and he's allowed to go there. He was like, if anybody comes on my fucking property and tries to go in the houses on my ranch, like, I'm doing whatever the fuck I want to do to those people. You know what I mean? Like, pretty fucking ruthless. But then you have the other side of it where the kids are saying, like, <laughs> like we fucking go into all kinds of houses everywhere. And then I heard today the story of two kids out of Kansas or some shit. Yeah, somewhere. Was it Kansas? Yeah, let's run with it. Okay, two kids out of <laughs> Kansas got double felonies and they're fucking going to jail for bando picking. They're going to be in jail. I, th- I think the one that I heard today from the guy who, who knows the full story said like, uh, from what he knows, he thinks they're going to do over a year in jail each. They're like 18, 19. Yeah. For bando picking. So there is real consequences because the, the, in the, in the, in the eyes of the law, they don't give a fuck if it's an abandoned house or not. It's breaking and entering and it's theft. So those like the distinction of the law doesn't fucking take into account that nobody cares about those clothes. So I'm I don't know like we're gonna try to get more info on the story for everybody, but like that's the story so far. I'm just putting it out there as a warning. Like, don't think you're immune to the law when you're breaking on someone, breaking and entering in someone's property. Are some of those properties maybe you would know, Drew? Are there chances where some of those properties are not? private anymore no like they all have ownership somehow. some way or another some way or yeah. another oh, okay. like some way or another there's somebody who owns that property mm. and so a lot okay so this is another factor in the bando thing so especially with the farmhouse i don't know about like a lot of the bandos that people go into like arizona and stuff are like fucking trailer parks and shit or like weird uh off beaten path mm-hmm. um communities and stuff but all, all the ones in the midwest and colorado and ranch territory are our ranches Hayden was explaining this to us he said Hadley, Hadley Hadley sorry Hadley was explaining this to us he said that when the when the land race happened in the west you could come out west and you would get 160 acres of land free right like there's like movies about this shit mm-hmm. this was like I don't know 1800s and then everybody farmed the land and started ranches and started farms and whatever but then, you know, the the monopolization of our planet, the corporate monopolization of industry and stuff like that, it's not everyone knows the concept there, the Amazonification of our world. These these larger ranches and larger farms end up 
swallowing up all the small farms. So now you have like one house on a thousand acres or a hundred thousand acres and all the other houses are just abandoned because those families are gone. So that's why there's like so much abandonment out there in the Midwest, which is still somebody owns it. The bigger farms own all the smaller ones, you know? Mm -hmm. So be careful out there if you're picking bandos because uh, you could get shot by the owner of the property because they'll probably consider that self-defense, but you can also go to jail. So be careful. Where do we end off? Where are we at in the story? Uh, we can talk about the crazy auction that we just witnessed. Yeah. So basically the rest of the day, we, we swam some more, fucked around, mellow day. Everyone was kind of like waiting for this big auction because tonight was the final night of the of the auction, which meant the biggest pieces and the uh, 1880s Levi's bucklebacks. Da 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 da. So yeah, what's the deal, Dills? Uh, we had there were a pair of 1880 Levi's projected to go anywhere from forty to a hundred thousand dollars. I think when the auction started... What do you think the speed limit is here? 35. 35. No, I'm going 35 now. Uh, hopefully we don't get pulled up. <laughs> then I keep going. Um, so yeah, I think everyone was kind of waiting for that because that's fucking crazy. Hitting five figures for jeans, let alone maybe even six figures for a pair of freaking denim. Uh... But even before that, there was like a pair of Stifle overalls, a lot of promo stuff, like a porcelain Carhartt sign. There was two Lee Housemark chin strap pieces, one coverall and one chore jacket. Mm -hmm. I don't know if those hit reserves, though, or not. A lot of things weren't hit reserves. A lot of things were, but a lot of things weren't. Because these were the high-ticket ones, so... And the way the auction ran is if if it didn't, he wouldn't say the reserve until it got hit. I think that's like how it always is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't go to many live auctions. I don't <laughs> fucking know. I mean, there's a theory that you could just start at the at the minimum bid, but they don't do that because they started low to try to get like the blood flowing and people bidding, right? In psychology. Yeah, bidding exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I think everyone was just waiting for the last piece. It started out at 30K. Basically, like, jumped to 50 right away. Like, somebody threw the 50. I think it was that guy's zip. Yeah, I think he was like, let's just get, move this along. <laughs> we had a uh, bowl cut through a bid in. I think bowl cut went to, like, <laughs> are we allowed to call him bowl cut? Everyone knows who we're talking about. It's Sam, known bad boy. I think he went to 56, maybe 57. Yeah. Britt is probably a fantastic salesman. He... And I think he's right, and probably some of the pieces went a little bit lower than they probably could have. So he's probably giving people the right information, saying like, hey, if you buy this, if you bid another 1000 you'll probably still make like 3000 And I think people trust him. I would I would trust him. If I had, Why didn't you buy it then? Well, I, if I had that type of money. <laughs> Not on the uh, bids that you're yeah. So, So known bad boy was getting harsh pressured by the auctioneer. The auctioneer loved to say, like, it's only money. That was his line. <laughs> Yeah, fifty-seven thousand dollars. Only money, um, and yeah, and then everybody else, and, every, and then and then so Brit didn't even didn't Brit start a chant like uh, to make him bid more or something? I don't <laughs> know. Like, it's fucking all blurry. There's a lot of chanting <laughs> happening. 
<laughs> um, the whole time. Uh, and did did the did the woman bid on on this one? Yeah, she. Oh, so, so yo, Sam, yo, tell talk, Matt, talk about this woman. Um, we have to go back to the first night auction now. The first night, yeah, she bought Matt's shit, right? She probably spent like over ten k on oh, five yeah. or six items. She's no, I th- I think she yeah I think she was more like seven to ten items beyond to be honest. Maybe even more than ten k. And she was like she was the high, she was the high roller of the night. Like she was on it. Like she was bidding on so much shit, and then she was su- seemed like she knew all the like all the shit. She'd be like, that one's not worth it. Like I'm not gonna bid on that. That one. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll take that. Boop, she bid, was boop, super bid. nonchalant about it all. Yeah, she was just chilling. Then tonight, she was kind of fucking toasted. Turned, you might say. She was, she was a little, lit. Wi- little wine drunk. She was lit. A little wine drunk. <laughs> well, yeah, before before the auction started, I saw her sitting on the uh, picnic table talking with Brits. You know, I guess, uh, I don't know what you'd call him. Farmhand. The dude building the barn who was operating, like, the forklift. Mm-hmm. She was, like, flirting with him, man. It was hilarious. She was like, she was like how old are you? He's like 64. She's like, well, you look amazing. Uh, which was funny, but yeah, she, um, she was getting pretty upset at, at certain points. I mean, <laughs> was she? Yeah. Cause you were up front watching. Yeah. I, don't, I, yeah I, have, I have some crazy footage of her. Like, I don't know if that was the wine talking or maybe yeah. she's just like a eccentric personality, like Brit. Cause they seem to be friends. So obviously they're, Similar to each other. Yeah, he gave her a big shout out tonight. Um, but yeah, emotions were running high. They were, and I mean, so back to day two, the the crazy denim. I think she was she was getting into a bidding war with Zip, going back and forth from sixty all the way up to sixty seven thousand. And then out of nowhere, like um, Golden State and Zip are sitting like front to back, not front to back, but like front, Golden yeah. State sitting behind, behind Zip, and they're like. Becoming best buds. And I don't know, like when this bromance started, but they're like bidding together all of a sudden, right? Like, let's split on this shit. Which I don't know if they had planned it like way before the fucking jeans started, or like they planned it in the middle of the jeans. I should have asked them that. I yeah. saw them. They were they were talking pretty much like most of the entire auction, um, because they were talking during that painted pair, the five thousand dollar Levi's, the painted ones. Um, yeah, so that's another. Should we talk about that? Uh, we don't know the full details on that, but maybe there's supposedly there was some drama there. But but yeah, they were they were colluding the whole night, and so I don't know if they were splitting other items as well. But they were definitely buddy buddy for the whole auction. So yeah, and once it, the bidding more slowed down, uh, like I think she realized like fuck, I'm not gonna get these. I don't know if you guys heard it or if anyone heard it. I, she was kind of quiet, but I was like right up in front. She was like, she like turned, looked over her shoulder at him, and was like, "Take it, you motherfucker!" <laughs> but she was like pissed looking, and that's like when Britt like came up and was like hugging her, like calming her down. I mean, if you that is probably the only pair of that type of denim you will ever see in your entire life, maybe potentially until I get my repelling gear and start to go down the mine. Until we hit the unknown Bando location in Arizona, it's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> So to finish this up, the, the, the final bidding went between that woman, which we have an interview with her on the uh, vlog coming up, and Zip and um, Kevin, his name is, right? Who's Golden State? I think it's Kyle. Kyle. He's Kyle. your friend. 
Dude, I know, but I only know Instagram names. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> Who's Zip? Zip was the guy who bid with him. Yeah, but what's his name? Oh, his name's Zip. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he's 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 an OG too. He's one of the older guys. He's been he's from Cali. He's been coming to Bowl for like 20, 30 years. I don't fucking know before me. And he has a company called Hollywood Trading. That's like a real company. Like it's almost like gallery department. Like, I mean, obviously not as popping, but he does like repairs on leather and denim and. A lot of rework shit, whatever. Um, and he was balling out too. He got a lot of stuff from the auction. Yeah, both days. So yeah, the, he's a player, man. The ending bid was seventy six thousand dollars for a pair of seventy six thousand dollars. The reserve was sixty five, I think. Yeah, and Britt was pretty vocal about like you guys are almost at the reserve. Like <laughs> this, they, they they let him know this time. Um. I want you to tell them about the uh, the Met, the whole thing. With yeah, the, so the there Met. was all these rumors that like the Met, which is the museum of what? I guess it's the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art. I guess or, they were saying the one in Paris, right? No, I think it's the one in New York. But I think they said their executive is in Paris. In Paris, yeah. Oh, okay. So the Met, yeah. Maybe, so that's, I don't that's know. kind of was weird because I was like, I thought the Met was American. Thing. So anyway, yeah, the Met is interested in buying the jeans. Uh, but they couldn't get the buyer on the phone, which again is a bit fishy. If it is American, well, maybe time difference. It was in Paris. It was asleep. anyway. So like, Brits kind of saying to everyone, like the Mets wanted to buy the the Mets wants to buy for 100k. So you're gonna be able to flip it, no problem, to these guys. Blah blah blah. Which we'll see if that actually happens. We'll get the story on that another time. So I mean, if that's the truth, he just they just made fucking 24k. Overnight, which is a shitload of money. That's like some people's full year salary. And the notoriety of probably saying you sold a hundred thousand pair, hundred thousand dollar pair of denim, probably yeah. in the newspaper. And to be honest, like if you like, that's not the only option. Like you could take those jeans to Japan. You could show them to like some of the heavy hitter Japanese buyers. You could wait for like you could do like a Sotheby's with it. Like you mm-hmm. could send it to Sotheby's auction. That's going to go out to like hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, you know, there's lots of options with those fuckers. But I think the thing. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing for Britt was, like, he wanted to have those as the draw for the event, so he was okay with it, <clears throat> and obviously it was a huge draw for the event. So, yeah, that was the end of it, fucking, for that that last auction, I, I'd never seen so many phones out going live. There was probably, <laughs> like, half the people were live on their IGs, yeah. showing, the, showing the shit. Tons of other people have their phone. Even Britt, during the whole time, was filming it himself. <laughs> like, he's in the middle of the auction filming it as he's, like, talking about it. He was dancing. Oh he was God. galloping, giving people high fives once it hit the reserve. Oh, yeah. He was running around the auction border like he's, like, a sports player that just fucking scored the winning goal of a fucking championship game. And I'd be happy five. to get 75 grand in my pocket overnight. More with the buyer's premium. Well, yeah, and that's just the one item, dude. We th- we we, es- we estimate he made forty at his house. He made probably twenty off the pile. He made, I don't know how much he made before the event yesterday. So he, you know, I think Brit's probably looking in like the quarter million. I was going to say two hundred fifty. Yeah, there you go. Still a little ways off from getting that barn done, but I think it's a good start. Yeah, fucking <laughs> for huge, three days, huge amount of money being made. At this event, plus all the all the other heavy ticket items that people sold, and yeah, definitely like a million in inventory, just like sitting on this one RV park in New Mexico. 
Oh, easily, man. Like that that table, even the Idaho Jeans guys table, like he wasn't even there half the time. I'm like, you're leaving like fucking fifty K on a table right here. And so there there were some reports of some thefts. There's a, a funny a funny story of jeans getting taken out of a car window and then being found in another side of the parking lot. Yeah, you gotta go more details than that. Okay, this is like this is like some uh <laughs> uh so the first we heard the first night in the auction, you know, throughout the, all the auctions, Britt would always just like, cause he's not up there the whole time, but then he would just get up there and start like talking about something like read a story or talk about, uh, like thanking his family or like just, there was like a million things he would talk about. But one of them on the first night was like getting up there and talking about these guys that had their jeans stolen out of the car window that they had left open. They left the car window open and they said somebody reached in and grabbed the jeans and they, they lost these jeans. And they were like really cool patched up like full hippie leathery denim jeans, mm-hmm. right? So Britt's up there. He's talking about it saying like how he's disgusted with this. How he's like, can't believe this community would do this. Uh, it's like whatever. Brings up the kid. He's talking about it. And they're like, you know, we want these jeans to be returned or blah blah blah. If he finds out who it, who it is, he's gonna kick their ass. Yeah, he's like, I'll be going to jail. Actually, that's what he said. He's like, if I find out who they are, yeah. I'll be going to jail. Um, and I take that seriously from Brit. <laughs> yeah, like I for sure. So anyway, so then like after the auction ends on the first night, well, second night of the auction, but we missed the first night, and then. The, you know, there's like an announcement. Britt's like, it's a Festivus miracle. By the way, there was lots of Festivus miracles throughout the weekend. <laughs> there, was, there was many Festivus miracles. Um, it's a Festivus miracle. The jeans were found. Apparently, somebody saw a car drive by really quickly and like throw the bag out the window. And then these jeans were in the bag, just like randomly on the road. The car window thing, throwing it out the car window and skirting off, which someone could have like easily got a license plate or something and no one knew the fuck that was, which is weird to me. Second of all, there I think the like did you hear that someone put them on a car window? That is what I heard. Yeah. So anyway, they found them like on the ground, just randomly like by the like on the road to the auction pavilion, right? Yeah. So Festivus Miracle number one. I don't know, it's just Funny, it's like funny stories, I guess. Yeah, it's like weird fishy stories. Like, well, say. I think it could be true because they were saying if somebody really wanted to steal the stuff that was there, oh, you could have done it really easily. Oh, and so just, easily. So they and also keep in mind that the Tico time was not just for us. There were like weird, families yeah, there were families there, weird old people. I mean, I, I feel I mean, like there wasn't I, a ton of people there. I mean, I feel like I even saw like some, I don't want to assume that people are homeless, but like, you know, people just like kind of wandering through, passing through the area. So it's not <clears throat> unfathomable that maybe someone like took them and then maybe got rid of them when they realized it couldn't do anything with them. Yeah. But then someone, the, okay, so then the second rumor of like, of like theft was like, everyone's getting DM'd that, that, that uh, Huh. That somebody who wasn't there had a bunch of items in the auction. He's like, I just had my whole vintage collection stolen. There's a bunch of my items in the auction I've seen in the catalog. Like, I want to get my fucking shit back, blah, 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 blah. And then this person just DMing, like, random people who are at the event this 
his information. And I saw it and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's on. Turns out that one was just like a domestic dispute between him and his girlfriend who ended up with the, with the clothes during a breakup. And he was like trying to like get it back or something. But, you know, obviously we didn't have to worry about that. That's just like some drama. Save the drama for your mama shit. The real weird one was when Britt got up the third time in front of the auction crowd. Yeah, go ahead. What, what was that one? Well, there, yeah, tonight, or I guess technically last night now, but uh, Britt got up and there was another instance of theft with uh, another guy, the guy from uh, Colorado Springs, I think it's Cloth Casket. Um, he said he like lost his jacket for like 10 minutes and then found it again in like a random patch of grass. Like the items are just moving randomly at this event. It's like supernatural. Yeah. So I think it was more than 10 minutes, but he said he put his jacket on a table, went two twenty seconds to load something in his truck, came gone. back and it was gone. And then he couldn't, he didn't get it till like halfway through the auction. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was literally like on the grass near his tent or something. So yeah, Britt, Britt made a point of getting up tonight and telling everybody that like all the theft was was solved or it never was theft in the first place or we don't really know. It's all just a mystery at this point. Well, what what he was weird. He said he was like hippies roaming around or something. He was like, yeah, it's probably hippies roaming around. But he, he also mentioned that you know there were a lot of vendors and people coming up to me saying, I know it's this person. I suspect it's this person that did the the stealing, and it was like someone in the festivist community. And uh, Britt was saying, he said, like, 20 people came up to me and said that this guy or girl did it. And um, Or girl. Make sure you throw that in. I did. <laughs> I know. He, she, they, them. Could have been anyone. <laughs> um, but he was saying, like, 20 people came up to me and said it was this person. And I told him, no, it can't be this person. Like, I know that person. They're a good person. Like, it, it couldn't be them. And he also made the point, too, is, like, if they were going to steal it, like you could do an easy job of stealing it. Like why, you know, why give it up? You could have easily made off with it, and nobody would have known. Which is like a decent point, but I don't know. Maybe they have like, like if you already had if you already conscience. had the item, and then you heard him announce it. Like if you're gonna steal something that's like sick, it's like almost like you're stealing it for fun, and then just dropping it somewhere else once you're like have no use for it. No, but who would do that? Well, that's I what mean, I'm maybe saying. Maybe there's like, like if, a. If, a if, there's more of a chance you're getting busted if you're trying to re-drop it than if you just took it. I mean, you could never sell it. That's the problem. Yeah. Unless you were selling it like to some private someone who you'd never be able to post it or whatever. But the community is so small, it's hard to sell like distinctive stolen garments, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's a festivist miracle. It's a festivist mystery. We don't fucking know. <laughs> um. It's kind of like bringing us to the end, and almost the, this is we've already gone for like two hours. Eh? Yeah, hour forty. Hour forty. Okay, well, let's wrap this shit up. So we uh, uh, after the after yeah, so basically after the auction, seventy six thousand dollar pair of jeans. Super stoked for uh, Golden State. The action so it was Zip and Golden State, but Golden State paid ninety percent. Golden State is like twenty five, maybe. Young dude. Only been in it for a few years, for sure. And I, I, like, I'm friends with him, and I think he kills it. Like, I've been telling people, I've been telling the podcast, like, I've always said, he's, like, my favorite IG, because he posts, like, so much good stuff 
consistently and uh, always like showing his adventures and things, which I love. So I was super happy for him. So it was basically him that bought it. He bought 90% of it. Yeah, I don't know why they ended up doing 90-10. Maybe he couldn't afford the last 10%. Yeah. It's I mean, not like they're going to split it like in ownership. No, because they're, they're probably going to sell it, right? Like unless they can't sell it, then they must, they'll have to keep it, which is another – that's going to be even weirder. Yeah, so maybe if they sell it, they split the profits 90-10. Or, yeah. yeah, they would totally – exactly. And then they also – I don't know if that you saw that, but they came up to me later and they were like, we, we made a deal on the stifle overalls. And something else, right? and yeah, and the uh, that motorcycle club vest, the first edition motorcycle club vest, yeah, type one, yeah. So they spent like a hundred k with buyer's premium. It's definitely a hundred k. So what? So the buyer premium on top percent, yeah, 15, whatever the sold is. That's every auction it's though. Fifteen percent, yeah. Some like other auctions, I think it's like higher. Like Sotheby's and Christie's, it's like maybe fifteen to twenty five percent. So they had to put fifteen percent on top of seventy six. I guess. Unless maybe Britt was nice. Are you sure that 15% doesn't come out of the auction t- total? I don't think so. Because they said if you bought something for 100 it's 115 it says, Holy Isn't that 15%? Yeah. That makes that 76 like 86 off the bat. I don't know the math. And then it's at s- least 80. And then they spend 10 well, to 15. 50, no, it's, it's over. It's like 110. And then, and then they spend another 10. So yeah, they spend 100K. Yeah. Which they could make back in the one sale if they do sell it to the men. Yeah, they obviously know what the fuck they're doing. They're going to make some money. He was saying the stifles, they could get like 15 to 20. Uh, the Type 1, I don't know if he's selling, but he said like 1,500 to 2K. Yeah. So, yeah, that's about, that's about the end of it. Now we're dry freaking Giles in. Go eat some Mickey D's and we're heading to Albuquerque Airport. You don't want to talk about the fire dancers? Well, yeah, talk about them. Yo, actually, let Matt talk yeah, about Matt, it. Yeah, Matt, tell us. Matt was in a trance. <laughs> oh, I was in a trance. That's an interesting way to put it. Drew and Dylan sitting there, eyes wide, <laughs> in a trance, spellbound, <laughs> eyes glazed over. Oh, the fire dancers were tight. Uh, you know, smoking hot babes. Uh, oh, like, the guy like, was like literally cute too. <laughs> I said he should have taken his shirt off, but um, what do you think of the band? They were good. I like that band. Yo, what were they called again? Some uh, high high country hustle, some bluegrass kind of. Yeah, it was like a four piece. Stand-up bass, fiddle, right? Fiddle, guitar, and banjo. Yeah, super rad. And, uh, yeah, Fire Dancers. <laughs> there was, like, the one girl slayed it, eh? The one that was doing, like, handstands and shit. and like. Then the other one guy kept dropping it on his head. It was scaring <laughs> me. Yeah, I can't. He was burning like, himself. Yo, you're, like, you're, like, the rookie on the team, man. Uh, the new hire. And yeah, and like to speak more on Brit's freaking energy, high country also like a lot of people are like sitting around the edge, everyone's kinda of vibing to the music, but a lot of you know, like the auction's still closing up while the band's playing and um it started to pour rain at the very end, so everyone kinda of comes into the pavilion. Anyway, 
Brett's just kicking it up like the whole time. Like the only one dancing for like a half an hour. Just giving her. Freaking gets up on the mic at a point, starts freestyling to, to Bluegrass, which was like weird. <laughs> kind of yeah. impressive. The, the first freestyle was actually legit. Yeah, he rhymed. Like it was, it made sense. It rhymed. And then he's calling up these girls to get like some backup singers, but they're like, Yo, we're not. We don't. We're, they didn't really sing. They just like stood up there with the first moral support. <laughs> and then, I mean, by the end of it, though, he had a whole group of people freaking locking arms and swinging dosy dough. Why don't we uh, close it off with our final review, like a score of the Festivus? Okay, Matt, what do you got? One off. to ten, and why? Ten point five. Yo, okay. If you Bonus point. If you go by Brit score, score four. Five hundred. I award Brit a hundred extra points for the energy. For sticking with it. For doing pretty much everything he said he was gonna do. Um, you know, no one got hurt. It's fun. And uh, it was definitely like, you know, you could. It felt like uh, a special thing, you know. There was uh, magic in the air, you could say. Felt like a once in a lifetime sort of thing, and uh, really glad I came. And you know, it would it would be sick if it happened again. If not, you know, I'm glad I was able to be a part of it. We'll always hold it in our hearts. Yes, special moment in time. I'm sorry for snoring, guys, in the hotel. <laughs> so loud. So goddamn loud. <laughs> I brought earplugs for everybody. You should have grabbed some. Yeah. Uh, I forgot I, to mention that these guys bunked up in the hotel. Yeah. They were yeah. big spoon. So. Dylan was big spoon. I was little spoon. We like to switch it up sometimes. <laughs> we had two beds, but we sometimes one night we all three were in the same one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Drew was in the middle. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I think we poked fun a lot at, like, it's easy to poke fun at, like, Brit or, like, the Festivus. Like, it's kind of, it started off as, like, a meme. Like, you hear about it and you're like, the Denim Olympics. Like, what the fuck? But I think it's, like, a literally, like, a 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 event. I think he somehow got everything done. Oh, another dead animal. Uh, he somehow got everything done. He's the freaking life of the party. He did everything he said he was going to do. He delivered good shit for the vendors, like the fill a bag. Like he made it worth people's while. And I think a lot of people took risks coming out to the middle of New Mexico uh, on like a whim. And I think every person we talked to said they had no regrets and they'd even double down and do it again. One guy, your friend, I got Polo saying he'd take his kids here next time. Yeah, hell yeah, me too. Yeah, they can get yeah. Them working in the snack shack. <laughs> totally. <laughs> they need to get their first job sometimes. So I think I think Matt said the festivus is a once in a lifetime thing. I feel sorry for anyone who didn't make it because they didn't trust Brit. Uh, That's another thing. I I don't know what to make of Brit just from seeing the interview with Drew. Like this guy's a psycho. You know what the fuck his deal is, but he seems like a really genuinely good dude with a good heart. And, you know. Good man for, for putting that on. Yeah, he's just unfiltered. I think for some people, you might not mesh with it. 
But seeing it in full display, it was like, it was honestly amazing. Yeah, Festivus was a 10. Yeah, my turn. So I get, I, 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 I also am going to say, I'm also going to say 10, you know? I don't know. Like, I didn't have anything to gain from this monetarily, which is rare for me at an event. I didn't go in <laughs> trying to, like, make money. And I didn't even really try to go in to, to buy shit. I just, like, bought a few things and I was like, why not? But it wasn't my goal here. My goal was, like, literally, finally I got to go to an event where I could just, like, hang the fuck out. Unless my manager was bugging me to go <laughs> do some shit, which obviously happened a lot. Contractually obligated. Thanks, Dylan. Um, but that was all good, too. So, like, I mean... It, yeah, like it, like you guys are saying, it's easy to, to look at these events from the outside, but until you get in it and you catch the energy and you see the vibe and you, you know, it is about the people. It's always about the people, right? People make everything either good or bad, right? And Brit is full of fucking positive energy, it seems like. And that's contagious. And he's so, he's so full of energy that he puts it out to everybody else and it's contagious. You know, I had a great time with him, fucking around. I had a great time with Eric, screwing around. Met tons of new people. Like, a lot of people that I, I knew from online. Obviously, that's how it always goes. People that you know from online, they never get to um, finally meet. Finally met Matt. Who's <laughs> 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 been editing the podcast for, fuck, I don't know. How long? Six months? Six five, months? Five, five or six? Yeah, crushing the podcast edits and all the real edits and um, yeah, you know, sometimes I guess the takeaway from this is like, don't let other people's negative assumptions or whatever opinions like sway what you want to do and like be open to new experiences and just go, uh, go into things like this, like with no expectations and just be open to experience something new and like rad and fun and um fucking giver people so yeah 10 out of 10 for me had a great time i got no complaints i'm mentally and physically exhausted <laughs> that's my only complaint yeah matt would have been sleeping if we didn't record this podcast right now in the car but yeah, we kept, we kept woke me up a little bit <laughs> So we're going to sign off. We're going to say uh, sayonara. I'm going to plug the documentary. Doc, we're going to have like a, a really sick full doco coming out with interviews of people, all the events on film. we got everything recorded. Eh, Matt? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And uh, it should be super sick. You know, it'll be a full immersion for your every sense, your eyeballs, your brain, your ear canals. Of Festivus and uh, yeah, you know we streamed. So we need to talk about that. We fucking streamed the, the we streamed the pile and we streamed the live we streamed the, the live auction on Easy App. A lot of people tuned in and watched it. Go download that and uh, all the other shit. Go check all the links down below. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Peace. Peace.